0: Enjoy the message.
1: Uh, today, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the most fascinating incident that happened in the life of Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. And those who study theology believe that this has more theological truth than any other incidents that happened in the life of Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to read it first and then we can dissect it. Verse by verse, and it's found in Mark chapter 5 and verse 1, if they're going to put it up. If not, I can read it. And it says, And they came over onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gaternines. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. And because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains... And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. I'm reading King James. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjourn thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto them, Come out of that man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for there are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swines. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them to leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swines, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea, and there were about two thousand and were choked in the sea verse fourteen and they fled and they fed the swine, and they that fed the swine fled and told in the city and in the count country, and they went out to see what it was what it was that was done. And they came and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. And when they saw it, told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the, the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he had come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with them. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee, and hath had, had compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Lord, we just want to thank you this morning, God, for you have brought us to this place, Lord, to give you the glory, to give you the praise. Now we sit at the table, Lord, to be fed. We ask, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, our minds, Lord. Let us understand your word, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay and speak truth, Lord, and speak life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord when you walked in you should have received a bulletin and in your bulletin you have an outline and we're going to... We are going to go verse by verse. Amen. You know, this text sits in the middle of several hopeless situations. Just prior to the events that we have read, the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples were uh, sailing in the Sea of Galilee when a tremendous storm overwhelmed their boat. Now, the disciples were certain that they were going to die. Uh, Mark chapter 4 tells us that they were seasoned fishermen. Now, just let me add that it doesn't matter if you are a seasoned Christian or you have been serving the Lord for a while. Let me tell you that storms are going to come your way. You will be tried and you will be tested. Now, these men were certain that they were going to die. Uh, To them, this was a hopeless situation. The storm far exceeded their abilities. But let me tell you, it posed no problem for the master of the sea. Because not only did Jesus calm the sea, he also calmed his disciples. Now you might ask, I don't know what, you don't know what I've been going through or what storms. I am in. you're right, I don't know what storms you have been going through or what storms you are in. But I know someone who does. And he will not only calm your storm, but he will bring a peace that passes all understanding. Can someone say amen? You know, in this chapter that we have read, Jesus moves on to a new set of impossible situations. Uh, The Bible tells us that he encounters a man with thousands of demons. This poor, pitiful, possessed man is in a desperate situation. He is unable to help himself and the people around him are, are powerless to help him as well. And so after this incident, Jesus is going to deal with a diseased woman, with a dead woman, and all four of these situations are hopeless. They are chaotic to the human perspective, yet in each of these cases, Jesus proves to be the master of them all. You know, if Jesus were alive, if that demon were alive today, he'd probably be sent to a To a mental institution. That diseased woman would be sent to a mental or terminal ward. That dead girl would be sent to a cemetery. But this passage teaches us that whether Jesus faced diseases. Or whether Jesus faced demons. Or whether Jesus said... Whether Jesus faced death, it doesn't matter because Jesus can handle whatever comes his way. Because when Jesus shows up, he shows out. Can someone say amen? He is truly a way maker. Even though we don't see it, God is still working. Praise the Lord. So I want us to take a trip to the cemetery and to see how Jesus can transform and change life. Now, this case that we have read is, is really a hopeless case. You know, the Bible says that everyone around him uh, did everything possible to help him, but nobody can help him. Uh, this, this, this man lived in devastation. He lived in desperation. His only companions were the dead bodies in the cemetery and the demons that dwelt with him. But when Jesus walked into that chaotic situation, when Jesus walked into that hopeless situation, let me tell you that Jesus Christ changed everything. You see, Jesus can walk into your situation. He can walk into your chaotic situation. He can walk into your circumstance. He can walk into your tribulation. And Jesus can change everything. Because the Bible declares that there is nothing impossible for God. Someone say amen. What's impossible for man, there is nothing impossible for the God that I serve. And can someone shout amen? Praise God. Look at his problem. You can write this down. His problem. You know this passage, and they're going to put it up there in verse 2. This passage opens with a description of this man who is firmly in Satan's grasp. The, the devil is his master, and he is in a state of utter helplessness, and in, in, in absolute hopelessness. Anybody, anybody in that situation this morning? Only three. Any anybody, anybody ever been there in that hopeless, helpless situation? And we are told that he has an unclean spirit. And then we find out that he not only has one foul spirit, but the Bible says that he has a legion of demons. Now, just let me say that a legion was about 2,000 to 6,000 Roman soldiers. And so this man was host to thousands of demons. And we are told in verse 13 that this man was, was forced, when, when the demons were forced to leave this man's body, that they entered into a herd of swines which numbered about 2,000. And so this poor, pitiful individual was in total control of the devil. And by the way, just let me tell you that, that demon possession is a real phenomenon. It was prevalent in the times of Jesus and it's prevalent in the times that we are living in today. And there are many who are in this world who are demon-possessed. And I would just like to remind you that this man's situation is no different than every lost soul in the world today. Praise God. This man is in a pitiful shape and so are the lost. In other words, they're in a state of defilement and that's... A horrible state to be. But look at verse 3 and 4. Look at his pain. Who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. Not with chains because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broke in pieces and neither could any man tame him. Two words describe this man's condition. The two words are tombs and chains. And those words reveal the truth that this man had his dwelling among the dead. The demons that controlled him drove him away from the living and he spent his entire life living in a cemetery. And in those They were not usually buried in the ground. Uh, Tombs were often carved in the hillsides and the bodies were placed there. And so because the demons within this man spent his time with the bones of the decaying corpse of the dead. And so we are told in verse four that the people around him, they tried their best to restrain him. Uh, They would catch him. And the Bible says that they would bind him with fetters and chains. And the fetters would be attached to his feet and and the chains would be uh, around his hands and his arms and his torso. But but these man-made devices could not hold him. Uh, He broke them apart as easily as a child tears a piece of paper. And when we look at this poor soul, it isn't hard to make the leap from his condition to the condition around us. You see, they are trapped in the same state of of a pitiful death. Matter of fact, the sin that possesses the heart of the lost sinner drives him to spend his days, wasted years among the dead. And those who are lost... In sin have no desire to be around the living. death and works and deadness is all they care about and of course, man has his ways of seeking and conquer and to cure the problems that has plagued humanity. Man builds jails and prisons and institutions and asylums to hold those who manifest outward signs of inward death man will promote pills and potions and psychologies as answers to man's dilemma the problem with man's effort to cure his depravity is that man's effort only treats the symptoms if man effort can man's effort can never treat the cause of his condition if man is ever going to need help If man is ever going to need help, it is only going to come from the Lord up above. Can someone say amen? You see, the lost act like this because they are lost. And lost people choose darkness over light because they hate the light, according to John chapter 3. And lost people choose sin over the Savior because they are evil and they're totally given in to the pursuit of evil. And so just let me add this to those who profess to be believers. You need to examine your heart when you begin to desire the works of darkness. You need to look at your spiritual condition. Amen. You need to look at your spiritual conditions when you find reasons for avoiding the light. When you can't sit through a preaching service, let me tell you that you have a spiritual problem when you find ways of avoiding God's house, you have spiritual problems. You find yourself longing for the ways of the world. Let me tell you that you have a spiritual problem. What you are doing is you're beginning to revert back to the ways of death and darkness. And let me tell you that for a believer, those who profess to be Christian, let me tell you that that is a dangerous place to be. Look at his powerlessness in verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Can you imagine the terror that this man caused? The Bible says that he is living among the tombs. He is naked. He runs around like a wild man day and night. He cuts himself. His body is covered with blood and scars. He is filthy. He smells. He is terrifying to all who see him. He screams in torment. And so we don't know why this man cut himself. Perhaps it was it was uh, it was an effort to find relief from the demons. Perhaps the demons forced him to do so causing him to walk a path of self-destruction. And we don't know why he shirked and why he screamed or why he cried out in the tombs. Perhaps he did these things because he was desperate to be free. Perhaps he did this because the demons that were inside of him compelled him to do so. And we don't know why he did these things, but his actions reveal that he is in a desperate situation and he desperately needs help. Is anybody in a desperate situation this morning? Is anybody in a desperate situation where you desperately need help from someone Uh, maybe you've tried everything and everything has failed you've tried all the drugs and all the drugs have failed you've tried all the alcohol and all the alcohol have failed you've tried all the counselors and the psychologists and they have all failed well let me tell you this morning try jesus i said try jesus i said try jesus he will never never fail you can someone say amen And so just let me add that whether you are lost or bound in sin, whether you are saved or out of God's will, let me tell you that there is only one cure for your condition. You don't need a pill. Psychiatrist, you don't need a priest. You don't need a 12 step program. Let me tell you what you need this morning. You need Jesus. I said, you need Jesus. He is the antidote for sin. He is the cure for your condition. And he truly is the solution for your problem. Can someone say amen? Come on, someone say amen. You need Jesus. You know, such is this man's desperate, wretched condition. It's it's a horrible state to be in. And yet it could be laid in in a template over billions of others, and there are people in this room, in this city, who are defiled, depraved, depressed, and desperate. And there are billions in this world, just like this poor man. They might not be as wicked and as wild as they as this man, but they need someone to help him. They need someone more powerful to set them free. And that name and that person is Jesus Christ. He is more powerful than anything. This world can someone say Amen? Come on, somebody. Praise God. Look at His compassion. Verse 6. His compassion. You know, everyone in that region feared this man. Amen. They fled in terror when this man came near. They, amen. They trembled in their houses at the sounds of the, the screams and the shirks. The children were, were warned to beware of the crazy man that dwelt in the cemetery. Everyone avoided this man. Everyone but Jesus. All right. Come on, somebody. Everyone avoided this man. Everyone but Jesus. Praise God. Do you remember when they warned, when people were warned to stay away from you? Come on. You know what I'm talking about amen because of who you were and what you represented everybody went around you now they warn you because you're a jesus freak oh don't get next to that person because she's going to tell you about jesus don't get next to that person because he's going to tell you about jesus they warn you but in a different way now amen everybody stayed away from this man they warned him about this man everyone avoided everyone avoided this man everyone but jesus i said everyone but jesus Amen. Everyone avoided you because of who you were and what you represented. Praise God. Everybody went around you, but Jesus, because Jesus came where you were at. He picked you up. He turned you around. He placed your feet on solid ground. And now you are in God's house, worshiping and praising and loving the name of Jesus. Someone say amen he picked you up out of that miry clay he set your foot on a rock to stay and now you're a crazy woman for Jesus you're a crazy man for Jesus because Jesus has set you free everyone avoided you but Jesus didn't he came to where you were at and saved you and transformed you and gave you life in Jesus name can someone say amen Amen. praise God I like what the pastor said last, last week you know Amen. People are very critical of the way we worship and the way we express ourselves and the way we we dance like Sister Kim. Amen. And the way we lift up our hands. Praise God. They're very critical of us. Praise God. If they only knew the hell I was in before I came to this place, if they only knew the situation where Jesus brought me out, they would shout and they would scream and they would dance because Jesus has done something that no one else could do. Everyone else avoided me. But Jesus came came to where I was at and saved me. How many are saved in Jesus' name? Come on, give God a hand, praise. God is good. God is good. God is good all the time. Give God a hand, praise. Jesus didn't avoid this man. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he made a special trip across the sea because he wanted to save this man from the grip of satan everyone else feared this man everyone else despised this man Not jesus jesus had compassion for this man jesus cared about the condition of this man jesus was moved to do something for this man he wasn't even a jew he was a tile yet jesus reached out and thank god for his boundless endless love. Thank God that we serve a compassionate Savior. Praise the Lord that when Jesus shows up, he shows out. That when there is chaos in my life and there is a hopeless situation, when Jesus steps in, hallelujah, he changes everything. Thank God that Jesus did that for me and he can do it for you because if Jesus transformed my life, if Jesus changed my life, if Jesus gave me a new life, let me tell you that he can give you a new life. Only three said amen. I said if Jesus changed my life, he can change your life. That's the God that we serve. He doesn't avoid us. He comes to where we are at. Can someone say amen? You know, we see people sometimes and we think they're a lost because We I've got silent in here. <laughs> Amen. We see people and we think ah, they're a lost cause. Praise God. We wonder. I wonder if they'll, they'll, they're never going to be saved. Amen. Amen. Come on. Hey man, you see people walk, they're never going to be saved, amen. Well, I can assure you, and I can tell you they will be, because I can look around this room, and I can see case after case of women and men who were, who were a lost cause, but you are here today. You are here today, hallelujah, because Jesus had compassion over you. Hallelujah. He loved you in spite of your sins and he came to where you were at to deliver you from the bondage that gripped your heart and your life. He loved you enough to die for you and he came and loved you enough to set you free. And so let me tell you that there is no one beyond beyond his compassion. No one is beyond his compassion. Not Zacchaeus upon a tree, not Saul of Tarsus with his agenda to hate and destruction not the Ethiopian with not the Ethiopian eunuch with his religious confusion and not even you with all the baggage that you carry I said not even you with all the baggage that you are carrying Jesus is compassionate and he's waiting for you to call out he's waiting for you to call out and say Jesus I'm here Jesus I'm here it is hopeless but Jesus brings hope where there is a hopeless situation can someone say amen you see, we see, you see, Jesus sees people with a different set of eyes than we do. And if I was God, I would send everybody to hell. <laughs> but praise God, I'm not God. Amen. amen. Someone said amen. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> praise God. You see, Jesus sees people in a different set of eyes than we do. You know what we do? We see their sins. But you know what Jesus sees? He sees what their life can be. Come on, somebody. And we see a drunk, but Jesus sees a deacon. We see a drug addict, but Jesus sees a preacher. Amen. We see a harlot, but Jesus sees a worshiper up here, worshiping and praising Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. You see, this is how lives are changed when we come to Jesus and give us Give him our lives. He will give us something more precious in return. Hallelujah. Just give Jesus your crab apple and he'll give you back a golden delicious apple. Give Jesus your thorn and he will give you back an American rose. Give Jesus an acorn and he'll give you back a mighty oak. Give Jesus a Jacob, a trickster and he'll give you back in Israel a prince of God. Give Jesus a Simon, a a cursing fisherman and he'll give you back Simon Peter, a mighty preacher. Give Jesus a Saul, a persecutor of the church and he'll give you back a Paul, a militant, a missionary. Give Jesus of yourself. I said give Jesus of yourself. Give Jesus of yourself and you will be surprised what Jesus can do in your life. Hallelujah. Because if Jesus has set me free, if Jesus has transformed me, then Jesus can transform form. You, someone give God a praise, hallelujah. Is God worthy to be praised? I said, is God worthy to be praised? Then give God a hand, praise, hallelujah. Nothing is impossible for God. I said, nothing is impossible for God, hallelujah. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. It's amazing what God will do When you place your hands in the hands of Jesus, that's the power of the new birth. Confrontation. Verse 6, and you could write that down. This man who ran from everyone else ran to the Lord. He fell at his feet. The demons that drove him away drove him. To Jesus Christ, and we ask ourselves, why? why? Why did he fall down to worship the Lord? They fell down to acknowledge his deity. They were bowing down in subjection to the Lord, and this is a strange passage, but it teaches us the truth, and it teaches us that the spirits are subject to the Lord's authority. They, 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 they recognize his position. They know that they must have permission. In other words, Jesus is the master of the demons. And let me tell you, that gives us hope today. Because it often looks like the devil is walking away with victory. And if you think that, you can write this down, it's not there, then you need to read Revelation chapter 20 verse 10. And this verse tells us that Satan will be cast in. In other words, the war is over and Jesus is the victor. In this life you will have, but worry not, I have come that and have it abundantly. You know, this passage also teaches us that man is the most depraved creature in existence. Think about this. This man could tolerate a legion of demons now remember a legion consisted of 6,000 Roman soldiers and if you do the math there were 2,000 swines in the herd that comes out to 3 pigs 3 demons per pig in other words if they, they couldn't tolerate the presence of the suicide that was a bad joke <laughs> I, 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 I was not using it, I guess I did. That was bad. <laughs> but those, 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 the, those pigs couldn't even stand just a few demons. Yet this man was able to live with thousands, and this illustrates the capacity of evil. Look at verse thirteen. His command. Every human effort had failed. To deliver this poor soul from his bondage. Everything that he had been tried to regain his his grip on his own sanity had proven useless. But let me tell you one word from Jesus and he was set free. One word from Jesus and he was set free. You see that's the glory of salvation. You see man can try his religious works. But they will fail. Man can try his psychological shenanigans, but they will never convert a sinner's heart. Man can try his pills and his potions and his programs and his practices, but they will never save a single soul from hell. There is only one solution for sin, and his name is Come on, somebody. There is only one solution uh, for the problem of sin, and his name is Jesus. There is only one hope for the fallen soul, and his name is Jesus. There is only one hope for those who are trapped in a life of sin and his. Praise God. You see one word from Jesus, and death is swallowed up. Come on. One word from Jesus and darkness is driven away by the light. One word from Jesus and Satan loses his grip. On a lost soul. One word from him and he loses control over the sinner's heart. One word from him and the captive is set free. One word from him and the sinner is forgiven. One word from him, hallelujah, and a life is changed. One word from him and the son of Adam becomes a child of God. One word from him and the sinner is saved. That's why it's good. I said that's why it's good to know Jesus. I said, that's why it's good to know Jesus. And I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what your tribulations are. But if you cry out to Jesus, one word from Jesus, and he can set you free. He can turn that depression into happiness, that sadness into joy. Because that is the God that we serve. When you cry out to Jesus, one word from him, and he can set you free. Can someone say Amen. This man was changed when the pigs ran down the mountain and killed themselves. This man was changed. You could put it, man was changed. You know, when the pigs ran down the mountain and killed themselves. Servants who were, the servants, and I'm almost done. The servants that were tending the herd to town and told their masters what had happened. And the town folks came to see for themselves. And you know, the Bible says that when they arrived, they heard all the details and they could see the evidence of a changed life right before their eyes. Jesus changed him. Jesus changed him. This man is no longer running about crying and cutting himself. Now he is calm and sitting beside Jesus. What a change. That's how the Lord does it. And just let me tell you that you cannot maintain the same. He changes everyone that comes to him. The Bible says that Jesus clothed him. In other words, he's no longer naked. Now he has clothes. And this is further proof of his change. And what we need to notice here is what Jesus does in the heart of man always works on the outside of man. Verse 15 tells us that Jesus calmed him and we are told that he is in his right mind where there has been turmoil and chaos. There is now perfect peace. He has been changed, not only spiritually, physically, but mentally. What a picture of a total changed heart. And that's what Salvation brings to the converted heart. Amen. And I'm finishing with this. The people of the region, they were afraid of Jesus. And you know, the Bible says that they were angry at Jesus too. Why? Because he had cast those demons out. and They were angry. It was their livelihood. You know, the price of bacon was about to go up. (laughs) You could no longer get pork chops. (laughs) So they were angry at Jesus. Amen. So what did they do? They commanded Jesus to leave their country. And for those people, all the spiritual power was just simply too much. They might have been able to handle just a little preaching, but when Jesus started changing lives and costing them money, they wanted no part of Jesus, so they drove him away. And there are multitudes today around. And I'm finishing with this. Just get and they're satisfied. Oh, if you might come back on Wednesday. But don't ask them to do anything else. Don't ask him to give. Don't ask him to witness. Don't ask him to pray or revival or do anything else. When the Lord wants something done, we rebel and we push away. You see, when you come to a place where you are satisfied, you have a problem. When you come to a place where you can't sit through a preaching service, let me tell you, you have a problem when you refuse to give Jesus a little more because it will interfere with your life or your routine, let me tell you that you have a problem and most folks just want enough Jesus to make them feel good, to keep them out of hell. Well, let me tell you that Jesus isn't a good luck charm. Only two said amen. Amen. I said, Jesus isn't a good luck charm. He is a life-changing, eternity-altering Savior. And he wants more than just a few hours a week. He wants everything you have to give him. Can someone say amen? Praise God. This man was changed.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, We want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life.